Hi everyone, this is the Business Bootup edition of the Dreamers Endurers podcast. I'm Arya and I'm joined by my co-host Sam. It's great to be here today. Hi Arya. Each week we'll come to you live from the Lowbricks campus where you will hear interviews from our youngest and experienced entrepreneurs who will inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to help your leadership or business. The Biz Buddha podcast partners with the Norman Chamber of Commerce who advocates to see Norman, Oklahoma be a thriving business community. And and First United is not your typical bank. Their purpose is to inspire and empower others to spend life wisely. Thank you, Norman Chamber of Commerce and First United Bank for helping to see our youngest entrepreneurs achieve their business dreams. So now let's get into our interview. Today, we are joined by dreamer and doer, Dr. Ron Bolin. Ron Bolin serves as an assistant professor at the OU College of Business, Tom Love Division of Entrepreneurship and Economic Development. Additionally, Ron is the founder and a managing director of DA3CO, LLC, a global energy consultancy. Ron has over 25 years of experience in launching, financing, and advertising new ventures. He has over 15 years of direct experience in private equity investing in the same space. His work in energy private equity includes both the power and oil and gas segments. Ron's professional segments, Ron's professional efforts have had a significant international flavor with extensive work in Southeast and South Asia, Latin America, and the former Soviet Union. Ron has served industry, the industry as an entrepreneur, venture capitalist, investment banker, and a lawyer. Ron holds a BBA in finance as well as a Juris Doctor from the University of Oklahoma. He also received a Master's of Business Administration with majors in both finance and taxation from New York University. In his free time, Ron loves to hike, read, and play with his dog, Bennett. So that was quite a bio. How are you, Ron? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So we're the Dreamers Endures podcast, and we'd like to know, do you consider yourself a more natural dreamer or doer? I would say I'm a more natural doer. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be put into positions where I sort of have maybe a vision of something, but I'm much more of an executor, more of a doer than, say, a dreamer to begin with. Nice. Me too. So after that bio, I've been wondering, what was life for you growing up? Did your first dream job have anything to do with where you are now? Uh, only a small amount. So I grew up in a small town in the northeastern part of, of Oklahoma, and I came to Norman to go to school at the university, and that's when things started to sort of open up to me. I had very limited understanding of what opportunities might be available to me just in general, just coming from a small rural town. But then after sort of coming here and then, of course, completing law school, uh, things sort of took off, and I was able to sort of see opportunities uh, that maybe I didn't know even existed before. And so uh, the first half of my career, or maybe the first three quarters of my career, which sort of has already taken place, uh, was all a dream come true. Everything that I really wanted to do, I did. So I, I wanted to be a lawyer, wanted to work mm-hmm. on Wall Street in New York, got to do that. was extraordinarily fortunate to get some great international experience. And then sort of all of it culminated with the launch of a company and sort of building building that out. So I would say I've checked almost every box I've wanted to do. So yeah, my dream job's been taken care of. Now, as a professor at the university, um, it's grown to even be more fonder perhaps than, than being an entrepreneur. That's really great. So along with your story, can you tell us about your journey to becoming a professor? Sure. So uh, I developed a a company along with a business partner back in 2001. Uh, We grew that company until 2004, and we sold it to a private equity group in Chicago. And then I went to work for the private equity group, the buyer of the company, for about four years and then retired in 2008 and uh, was sitting around trying to decide what I was going to do next because I was still fairly young at the time. And I thought, well, I've got to do something. And uh, I joined the board of the MBA program at the University of Oklahoma to try to give something back to the university where I started. 
And from that, it just sort of evolved into, would you come consider teaching? And, and I did so not expecting to be here 10 years later because I joined the faculty in 2012. We're going into the 2022 fall semester, and I'm still here. And it's, uh, it surprises me probably more than anybody else. I didn't expect to be doing this for 10 years, but uh, I've fallen in love with it and fallen in love with the community. So I, I like being around here. That's amazing. So a lot of our listeners or students are either just starting their business or have an idea of a business. What are a few important things to know about you know, starting a business or some, something new? I think that's a great question, and, and I would sort of come back to the very basic issue. It's what I teach my students in my courses. We have a thing we like to call the value proposition. What's the pain in the marketplace, and how are you solving it? And it's really that simple. Now, when I use the word pain, it's real tempting to say, oh, you mean a physical pain? Or, and maybe, you know, if you're doing a healthcare opportunity, but the fact of the matter, pain sort of just means problem or even a void in the marketplace. I think there's an opportunity to do X, whatever that X happens to be. And what we encourage young entrepreneurs to do is to think in terms of just that. Can I go about identifying pains in the marketplace for which I might be able to develop a solution? And it can be as simple as, I, I get it, as you can imagine, with college students, a lot of complaints about there's not enough parking on campus. So I say, okay, that's a pain. Now, how would you go about solving it? And so for any entrepreneur, I would say, if you can bring your idea back to this idea of what's the pain and how am I solving it? It, it does a couple things. One of which is, if you can identify a real pain in the market, that means there really are potential buyers for your solution. And the second part is, if you identify the pain before you begin developing the solution, the solution you develop will be more closely aligned with the pain. So, for example, if I said, um, I think there's a pain in the marketplace uh, for jelly in the market, right? There's not enough jelly in the market. I might go out and make lots of different jellies and then let the market tell me what they wanted to buy. But if I went out ahead of time and said, what's the pain in the marketplace? And let's say I interviewed 200 people and of the 200 people, 180 people said, you know, there's not enough strawberry jelly in the market. Then I'm much more likely to say, you know what, let's create a solution of making strawberry jelly and then selling it to the market. Does that make yeah. sense for us? So it's, uh, it's the alignment of the solution to the pain that gives us the greatest opportunity for young entrepreneurs to sort of really launch their venture forward. That was a great answer, and I think that's really important. So a similar question, what has been one of your greatest challenges, and how have you overcome that? So my greatest professional challenges have been, as an entrepreneur, has been what most entrepreneurs face, a lack of resources, whether that be capital or whether that be labor or, in fact, really the big struggle is always with time, right? There's never enough time to do what you want to do. So uh, when we were launching uh, my company, the company that we sold back in 2004, uh, our challenge was capital. Now, we had saved, I had saved enough money that we could, I could carry the company for some period of time. But then we had to find individuals who were willing to come work for us because we were a startup and it wasn't a secure job, right? We didn't know that we were going to make it. And so I approached uh, a couple of younger people that had worked for me in another company and said, hey, do you want to take a chance with us? And they did. And that was really humbling as an entrepreneur to get somebody to agree to come and and take a risk with you is huge. And then, of course, the, the challenge that most major entrepreneurs deal with, which is capital. How do I go out and find the money that I need to pay my employees, to rent my office space, to buy airline tickets and cell phones and all the things you may need to accomplish your solution? And so uh, in, our, in our sort of side of the world, we were able to, to carry ourselves financially, but really the challenge was finding uh, 
great labor that was willing to take a chance and come work with us. So I know that earlier you said that you've like already have your dream job and everything, but I've been wondering, and it's in the back of my mind, do you like currently have a dream you're working on right now? Um, not so much. This is a great, this is a great question. So I've kind of been very, very fortunate in the way that my life has gone. And, and I actually just was speaking about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm one of those very fortunate people that kind of got to do everything that he wanted to do. Um, I spend the majority of my time giving back. So I, I look at my job at the university of teaching young entrepreneurs, my way of giving back to this amazing ecosystem of entrepreneurship that let me sort of do what I did. Uh, I'm uh, now I have some personal dreams that I'd like to accomplish, but professionally I'm pretty much done. I, I don't know that I'm, I'm really struggling to accomplish too many other things. I'm, I'm pretty good there. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. So what is one life lesson that you wish someone in middle or high school would have shared with you? I love this question. So thank you very much for asking it. So I'm very public with my, my students and in other places where I talk about this. I spent way, way, way too much time and energy as a young person trying to be like everybody else. So I had that great fear that some of us have that, oh my goodness, everybody else has got this figured out except for me. And I thought, well, if I could just look like these people or I can wear the clothes they wear, or I can talk like they do, then maybe the life will be easier for me. And of course it's not because it's not like they knew what they were doing anyway. So I try to tell everyone that I encounter, especially younger people, it's okay to be different. It is okay to be different. You don't have to be like everybody else. Figure out who you are. Figure out what you have to offer. And maybe it's a great singing voice. Maybe you're a tremendous entrepreneur. Maybe you're a great teacher. Maybe you're, maybe you're a great politician. Whatever it may be, figure out who you are. Figure out what gifts you have. And then offer those up. Don't do what I did. Don't waste time and energy trying to be like everybody else. Be comfortable being different. Because once you know who you are, happiness will come find you. If you can get comfortable not chasing down your illusion of what you think happiness is. That's really important. I agree. So for our last question, do you have a tip of any kind you want to share to someone that wants to start their own business of any kind? Absolutely. And, And I would say this. I mentioned earlier this idea of pain and solution, the value proposition. Using that as a model, a starting entrepreneur can do a tremendous amount of research and effort to launch the company without having to spend a lot of money up front. And I'm I'm gonna explain it in sort of a simple way. Um, Let's say I had this great idea that I wanted to make red tennis shoes, okay? So if I was gonna build red tennis shoes, I would need to go uh, get some real estate, probably a warehouse, I'd have to have a machine that makes red tennis shoes, I'd have to hire people that would run the machine and make red, I'd have to go buy rubber and materials and all the things, and I would have to hire people that would run the business for me and salespeople to sell my tennis shoes. Now, what if I go out and create red tennis shoes and it turns out the market really wanted to buy blue tennis shoes? Well, here's my problem. I've already spent all this time, all this energy, and all this money creating red tennis shoes. So if you take this idea of value proposition, before I ever bought a machine to make any kind of tennis shoe, I would go out and I would talk to people in the marketplace, say, well, do you buy tennis shoes? And I would interview people that buy tennis shoes. So, well, what color tennis shoes do you like? And if some percentage, whatever that number may be, let's say it's 80% of the people say, man, we buy blue tennis shoes. I want blue tennis shoes. Well, then it would be foolish of me to go spend a lot of money buying a machine that makes red tennis shoes. 
I would go build a machine that made blue tennis shoes. And so I suggest that for all young entrepreneurs. You can find out that information. You can extract from the marketplace what it really wants before you go spend a lot of money, time, and energy to build the solution. So I encourage everyone, have, have an idea. I'm going to make tennis shoes. Then go talk to the marketplace about, one, do you need tennis shoes? And what colors do you like to buy? And only at the moment that I'm comfortable, that I understand what the market wants to buy, then I'll go create. And it will save tremendous amounts of time. It also decreases the percentage chance of failure because now you're building for a market that you would know a few people are going to buy your solution or your product. That's a great answer. I think that'll be really helpful for our students. Good. So, Good. Ron, thank you so much for your time. I know that we and those that listen to this will be a lot better for it. So where can we find more information about you and the work that you're doing in our community? Absolutely. You can always go to ou.edu at the University of Oklahoma. That's where you'll find all my information. Anyone can email me at any time at ron.bolen, that's B-O-L-E-N, at ou.edu. I love sort of talking to the community. I love talking to young entrepreneurs. Uh, so tell everyone to feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a wonderful experience for me. Of course. Wasn't that an awesome interview? What was something that stuck out to you during this? Something that I found really important is that identifying a problem or pain in your market will really help you save money and eventually make money selling your product. So something that stuck out to me was that it's okay to be different. I know that a lot of people in middle school or high school are struggling with this at the moment, but it's just okay to be different. Yeah, and we'll be right back with the next student business owner. Stay tuned. See ya. Bye. Made by Maya, the place to shop for your handmade earrings, scrunchies, keychains, and more. All the products are handmade and all de designed by Maya. She is, she is 10 years old and loves to travel in her RV with her dog, Halo. This summer, she looks forward to setting up the local farmer's market and running Made by Maya. They have many new designs, fun, many new designs, fun new fabrics, and super cute earring designs for any occasions, occasion. She's... She's sure they will have a design perfect for you. Hello, Maya. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more about you and your story. What is Made by Maya and what do you make? So, again, Made by Maya, I make scrunchies, earrings, and keychains all. I make everything myself. I sew all my scrunchies in my sewing room. Uh, my family sewing room, and I make all my earrings and keychains out of shrink paper. Um, when did you become serious about your business starting? I became serious about one year. Uh, I would say one year ago. So for our next question, today our, we are hoping our youngest entrepreneurs out there can learn from you about some of the work involved in starting a business. What was one of your biggest challenges, and how do you exactly overcome this? So one of my biggest challenges, I would say, is starting making, creating all my earring designs. Like, I have to draw them out um, and taking time on making them all, all like, good for their same exact uh, pattern and ready to sell at the farmer's market and not, like, mass-producing them. Yeah. So. They're all like unique. Got it. Uh, what is the what is one of the biggest things you have learned about business and selling your products? One of the biggest things I've learned is selling my products is um, the responsibility it takes to do it and all of the things that it's taught me. 
um, like learning to do stuff on my own, like learning how to ship stuff out at the uh, post office and learning how to manage online um, inventory and stock. And yeah. Got it, got it. So for our last question, what has been one of your favorite parts about starting your own business? Um, engaging with all the customers at um, the farmer's market and just getting to talk to them and like selling uh, every product is just so awesome. And when I posted my Facebook page and started selling online for the first time, just the first started sales coming in, it was just such an awesome feeling. And yeah, it's just been really awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mayo, thank you for your time. I know that, that we and those who, who listen to this will be better for it. But where can we find more about where can we find more about Made by Maya? You can find me on Facebook. Just search Made by Maya, capital M's, and I sell and post on there all my inventory and when I'll be at the next market. So yeah, check me out there. Wasn't that an awesome interview? What was something that stuck out to you? Uh, that she knows that the res- responsibility is, it can be very heavy, but as long as you really try and look look at the right, look at it the w- right way, you can really make something really awesome. The thing that stuck out to me is that she enjoys talking to her customers. I know that when you start a business, at the very beginning you're scared, but just talking to the customers can, you know, just calm yourself down. Um, and remember, real leaders don't, uh, <laughs> next week we will be back with two new businesses, business owners that will hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to grow your idea or business. Want to send another huge thank you to the Norman Chamber of Commerce, First United Bank, and Loveworks Leadership for believing in our youngest entrepreneurs. And remember, real leaders don't blend in, they stand out. Dream big. And do your dreams. See ya. See ya.